0: Episode 88. This is the Business Generals Podcast. We chat with amazing entrepreneurs every single week to help you maximize your startup business ideas, take control of your personal finances, and get the most out of your professional career. Subscribe to the show and check out businessgenerals.com for full show notes, free tools, and killer resources to help you on your journey to maximizing your business dreams. And now, your host, Davis Mutabwa.
1: Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Journalist Podcast where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs. Remember, if you have not already done so, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you do not miss an episode. This is Davis Mutabwa here, your host, Super, super excited to bring you today's feature guest, Mr. Timo Raine. Timo, welcome to the Business Generals Podcast.
2: Hey, Davis Thank you for having me. It's a, it's a
1: great honor. Thank you so much for giving us your time, Timo. Ladies and gentlemen, Timo is the co-founder and CEO of Pipedrive, which is a simplified sales management tool that is helping over 60,000 sales teams around the world to get more organized, more focused, and helping them sell more. They've done a great job at marketing their business. I heard about this business a couple, probably two, three years ago. And I'm really, really excited to have you here on the show, Timo. So why don't you kick us off by letting us know who is Timur outside of business <laughs> that
2: 's a good question. Well, thank you for your introduction as well. That was really good. Outside of business though I live in Tallinn Estonia right now, a small Nordic country in Europe, Eastern Europe. I have uh, a wife, a woman that I love, and three kids. I was born in Soviet Union, mm. um, so I went from being a pioneer to a boy scout uh, when sort of perestroika started. I majored in psychology after the After the school, went into university. And then uh, in 2013, also spent 5,000 miles from from home uh, westbound to California. Lived there for four years, moved back this year. And outside of business, I'd say that um, music is one of my loves. It's an instant game changer. And also Mm. sports, which I love. And I'd love if I did more of it.
1: (laughs) What is the biggest sport in um, Estonia? It's a bit difficult to say there's a bit of a fight over
2: what it is I've seen that uh from the outside I'd say probably basketball football or soccer but mm. we're not good at these you know team sports <laughs> so I really don't know if you ask people on the street what they would say
1: Right very interesting Well that's an amazing background so you've obviously taken the jump and migrated four years ago. Now you're back home and you're just saying before you, you know, you missed being back in Estonia and uh, you got your teams widely dispersed around different capital cities of the world. So we're going to get more into that story. As I said, I've loved your brand and I've loved um, what you guys are doing. Thank you. But I wanted to know, yeah, how long have you been full-time in business for yourself, Timo?
2: So it depends on what you count. As a co-founder in Pipedrive, it's been seven years now. I have been one of the one of the five co-founders. And uh, as a partner in a sales training business, uh, there was a period of 10 years. So if you add them all together, I'd say 17. But it depends on how you
1: look at it. Yeah. Well, there's only one way to look at it, I guess. If you're not, depending on a paycheck from somebody, whether you rock up or not, um, then I guess you're full-time. So well, there like you go. 10 yeah. to 17 years Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty long time, so lots of ups and downs, I'm sure, but um, obviously lots of um, successes that have kept you in the game, I'm, I'm sure. So tell us a little bit about your business, where it is at the moment in terms of what are your core revenue pillars, where are you generating most of your money from in terms of revenue sources?
2: Sure. It's a business which which you have more of these days than you had some five or ten years ago. It's a SaaS business, so software as a service um, mm. it's what we do it's a monthly and annual subscription that people pay and then that's, that turns into our revenue obviously we have customers literally all around the world which has been something that we really love to be able to penetrate and able to help we've been able to double our revenue roughly year over year for the last five or five or six years so it's, I'd say that it's a high growth high investment company and that's sort of a stage as well and this is the focus for us. While obviously the, the main focus on the product end is to help people sell, whether they are in a salesperson position or sales manager position.
1: So, high growth, but also high investment, you said. So, yes. I read somewhere that you, you had at, at some point raised probably just under $15 million. Is that an open number that you talk about? And where is your investment sitting at at the moment in total?
2: Total investment right now is around 30. If I'm not wrong, I I really don't sort of keep count there that much myself, but I think the ballpark is definitely there.
1: Is that just the number in your head or do you sometimes sit back and think, well, that's $30 million. I didn't think we'd actually have all this kind of money invested in my idea.
2: (laughs) Good question. I never really asked this question myself, to be honest. You can always ask questions and depending on your angle, you can come up with different answers. I mean, from one angle, you could say, well that's amazing i mean it's it's a sign of somebody believing in what you do enough so that they're willing to invest their own money somebody else's own money a lot of trust a lot of responsibility at the same time you also can ask it from a position or an angle which could have you wonder okay has that been enough or has that been too much so you can ask all these mm. sort of questions but but it sort of it has felt right that we've been able to add investments from uh, from different uh, investors and uh, more than a number for me it has been I'd say more of a game of of what we can get in addition to that obviously mm-hmm. you go and try to raise funds for more capital but uh, you can always ask what is it going to give us as a company that we didn't have before and and that's been driven me more so I, I don't, maybe that's one of the reasons why I haven't asked this question as far as the number goes but yeah, compared to zero, I'd say it's a it's a massive number and a sign of something at least something, you know, done well. I guess.
1: Mm. As a startup, obviously you've moved into a more mature stage at the moment and you're scaling up. But do you feel it's diluted your control over the business, or it's actually? Helped you amplify your reach because of not just the money and the cash flow, but also the influence and the mentorship and the coaching that comes with the right investors.
2: Yeah, I think I've loved the fact which you just described what comes with mentorship and right investors. Let's be honest, you, you always have to ask whether, whether you have an idea where you can have a, a contribution. In the business and, and and all the decisions that that are being made, especially when you have a vision ahead of you and you haven't reached the point mm. where you think it should be, and then um, then you would want to maintain at least some sort of influence, if not you know full control. Depending very much on on how people look at things as well. I know some founders sort of think of of the control as a total control. Some of them are are much more fine with having an influence, and some of them quite quickly also become passive and they don't really care that much about the sort of day-to-day active work. So it can be different. Mm. Uh, for me, I've loved the fact that really big things are done with other people anyway. So it is a team that you need and it's a team of people who are professionally working in your company, executives, individual producers, all the managers, and also the investors that um, uh, would want to give you every connection they have or every question they have in order to for you to get better or just push you so i've I've loved what happens when you have these ingredients
1: uh, in a soup and that's a good answer i guess you've you've got five co-founders so you obviously are accustomed to working in a team working with different people with different contributions when you're on an airplane i'm sure you travel a lot and somebody's sitting next to you in, in the lobby somewhere chatting at a networking event somebody asks you what do you do so you say you're the co-founder of pipe drive and then like well what does that company do how do you explain that in a simple way to somebody who's listening today
2: i think you did it in a better way than i would I think i quite awful, I quite often yeah. go yeah. sort of to places where i i'm at that moment emotionally and i could be more right. sort of mm. business oriented answer saying that hey what we do is just a piece of software sits online it's meant for managers and salespeople and the idea is to help them get to the sales result that they want to so it's industrial a bit more like industrial way of saying it but at the same time when it's more sort of emotional and and personal maybe mood or feeling the whole point of of us starting the business was that there has to be a way in sales which we had experienced ourselves but but also you know for anybody in sales to get to the results that people really want to and almost in a guaranteed way. But there are a few things that you have to do to make that happen. And, but the biggest thing that's, that, that you have to factor in is the losses along with successes. Mm-hmm. And when you can do that, when you have the right framework for that, when you have the right tool that sort of focuses you on, on your own activity rather than just the results that you record, then I think you are one step closer but obviously, it's, it's not enough. It's, it's a tool. But at least we want to provide you with the best tool there is to hitting your results. So, very much depends on what mm-hmm. sort of mood I am, I guess. So, I don't know if you like that answer.
1: <laughs> Got it. That's good. Here's what I want to ask you. What was that big idea, if you like, all those seven or ten years ago when you first had it? Was it you who started up with the idea? Because I know you got five co-founders or was it one of the other co-founders?
2: Yeah, so these situations are always, I found that are always unique. So our situation was that um, two of our co-founders knew each other well. One of them was me and three of our co-founders knew each other well. Two of us, we had, let's put it simply, sales background and three of us had uh, engineering background. And it was a matter of luck and I think timing that we got together in 2010 and felt that this is the core team that could build something that we had in mind with the other co-founder, Urmas, uh, from the sales background that, that I was, you know, I knew already more than 10 years by that time mm-hmm. and had worked mm-hmm. with him. Uh, so the big idea was something that we came to actually earlier, probably two or three years at least earlier when we created our own spec with the help of one person but that was a very intimidating moment, moment. And, and I also wanted to share this because that sometimes uh, shows what sort of uh, colorful situations can happen when you, when you try to go forward with your business. So anyway, so we had an idea that there could be a way to build a tool which would be more simple than the tools that we had been using by that time, like Microsoft Dynamics and Acts and Target. And at the same time, it would still be mm. functional enough so that you would feel that it helps you while you do your sales. So really like a tool which is built bottom-up rather than a top-down when you think about the organization and when you think about whose needs are put first, whether the salespeople or the sales executives. So the idea was that we should be able to specify the tool and maybe we could find people who would be able to code (laughs) that into existence. So we found a guy who claimed that he can create a spec. That was all foreign language for us. We didn't know what creating a spec meant. And um, and we described him like over the lengthy sessions, I don't know how many we had, what it is that we think the product should do. And he wrote it down uh, in his own way. And what happened was that he produced a 100 pages long specification document, gave it to us, we looked at it, and we were like, all right, what do we do with this now? And he said, well, you go to some developers and ask them to you know, write the code uh, based on this specification. Let's put it that way. We were so intimidated with Ormas, the other co-founder, that we, we thought that that's not the way to do it. I mean, this is like, how can we make sure that this team actually knows what they're doing? Maybe we're going to find wrong people. Maybe they're not interested in as far as developers, right? And how do you actually outsource something Mm. that core? So we basically let that specification sit there on a shelf for about two or three years while we didn't let go of the idea. And and I think the situation opportunity presented itself uh, itself again like two or three years later when we had a chance to meet with some of the early startup founders in Estonia, which had a pretty good tech scene at the time. Skype technological founders were from Estonia, so they had already built good engineering environment right. and uh we met three guys we felt that these are the people who actually understand what it means to build something they had scaled a few startups already what it means to build something from scratch uh, mm-hmm. as the technology goes we like them they liked us enough and the rest is history basically but but i just wanted to share that the road is actually quite interesting and colorful it's not so sort of straightforward
1: <laughs> never been right I mean, a lot of people have ideas, and you took it one step ahead, and you got somebody to write out this this hundred page spec, which probably just you know, articulated what you guys had on your minds, but probably in a in a, in a written document, which, which is probably not a bad idea because once it's written, you're one step closer to your goal. True, but then it it scared you away, and you, but you kept it because it was documented. I don't know whether you always used to go and look up, look back and on it, or whether it was something you forgot about. But what triggered that next phase? Was it just the fact that you guys met with somebody or was it kind of always front of mind and you were always keeping your antennas up looking for how you're going to execute on it?
2: I have to be personal with that answer because I think that's how life goes really. I mean, if you don't have sort of an itch in you that you have to do it, you have to take this step to build something, right? Then um, you're probably not going Mm. to. And for me... I had a situation which I was already in, which was a one of the three partners who started with the sales training business in 2000. And uh, the business was going well. We had, uh, we had been you know, generating nice, nice revenues, providing for families, all that stuff. At the mm-hmm. same time, I was doing the type of job being a sales consultant, which I didn't consider to be my role for the long time ahead. But I didn't realize that until probably five or six years into that business and the sort of realization came as a result of one trigger and then one question the trigger was Mm. just a random question actually from a person that i had known some five or six years ago and i haven't met him later on at all but uh we had worked together in a door-to-door sales company and uh in 2000 in u.s and um I was doing quite well there, and he was a few years later I think he just texted me and asked me so how how things are going and what are you what are you up to and I told him, "No, well, I'm a consultant, and we had you know one of the partners and we are running this business and his question or the way I p- interpreted it was with a sound <laughs> because it was t- it was a text but his question was you a consultant and that's that's how I read it and for me that was like a, it was really honest and brutal. Sort of awakening into, I'm not really a consultant. I mean, I love that I'm able to do this, but mm. I should do stuff. I should build stuff. And that was one of the triggers. And, uh, and that sort of brought me back to what I had uh, in my head already for some time. That uh, if I wanted to really spend my life well for, for myself and for my family, I should try to build a business and try to build a company. So it was an itch which suddenly was open as a wound, and I knew that I had to do something about it. So I just basically was looking at, at an opportunity to, to make that happen. Even though it's never straightforward from there on as well, because you know, look at that—we had an idea, we had a specification, didn't know what to do with this, got sort of maybe a bit mm. intimidated because that was something we hadn't done before, and uh, but it, it didn't let go. I mean, for me, that was the personal moment. Sometimes later that we had these three guys that we were talking to about a potential uh, software and these technology co-founders, they were thinking that it's a good idea and we we said, okay, let's give it a go. So there was a lot of preparation for me that was needed to actually take that step and that's what I
1: wanted to share with you. Okay, and then what was the next stage? So you've gathered together these five people who are now co-founders. What did you do next in terms of development?
2: First of all, we... We did a um, repeat of uh, what we had done before, which was describing the idea to people in a form of specification of what it is that we feel that the idea is and what the product should do and how it should help. They wrote it down differently, which we really loved, much more in a form of um, sort of drafts of screenshots, workflows, much more visual. And I think that really attracted us Mm. um, to them and then as soon as they had a basic idea of this i think we really needed these guys sort of experience in in scaling uh startups like that because they told us basically what to do next and then we followed we knew what we Mm. had to do in terms of scaling a business and bringing it up from scratch but but they also knew what it means to actually code a product to existence and uh for the next let's say two or three months we, while having mm-hmm. our day jobs, we got together over the weekends into one of the farmhouses, mm-hmm. uh, just goaded from, you know, Friday evening until Sunday afternoon and then went back home and and that's how we spent our, you know, weekends away from our families at least. So probably six or right. seven times at least, these sort of things. And the beauty of these was that we could really focus on taking steps forward and really seeing how the product Got to a second and third and fourth stage. Also got a sense of what it means to work together. For me, it was immersive way of getting to understand how it would be to actually work with these guys. Because I literally three guys in a five team of five. I didn't know of. I knew only one. So it was a good experience. And I think about two or three months later, we had a product in a in a stage where I didn't feel good yet about it because it was really, mm. you know, just a very very early version of it. But the other guys were really bullish and they were thinking that we should uh, send it out to better customers and, and start seeing what sort of reactions they have. So I went, went along. If I hadn't, I think it would have been a mistake. So that's where I followed and uh, and we started gathering uh, you know first feedback.
1: And so that took you, what, about six months from the time the idea got reignited and you met up with the other three co-founders?
2: Um, so if you want to recreate that timeline, I think it would be um, January 2010, we met the guys, you know, started talking with them, and uh, sometime in spring, we we took a few weeks to to tell them about what the product is about, and uh, as soon as they had a picture of that, they brought along actually one other engineer that they had worked with before, so we are, we had a co-founding team of five and already sort of like a willing engineer to help us, who became our first ever employee later on, mm. and then it took us about. I would say two months of this sort of work of coding, while we were doing this hackathon weekends, to the point where we had a product which other guys felt that this is a good enough version to send mm-hmm. out to, to send out to uh, better customers. Well, I would have probably kept like going for for months.
1: Yeah, that's good. I think what is important here in this story for me especially is that you know you guys were working full time doing camping for weekends you know away from your family's friday night to sunday that you always hear good good stories um when you do podcasts like this one so yeah that's exciting for me so after that six months window or whatever that period was and those couple of months you've gone in and you said let's let's take it out to market so how did that process go what was your strategy then and how many were you targeting was it paid or free how did that happen
2: yeah and before i answer i need to clarify something because we had a mix of Founders, which meant that two of us we had our day jobs, and one of the three guys also had a day job, and he was working in Skype at the time. Mm -hmm. But two guys and this um, first employee candidate they were out of job, Mm -hmm. so basically we had to find initial capital anyway. So we put together some the money ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the partners from our sales training business who didn't consider you know going into this business with us. He was able to help us a little bit for us to get also the chance to get a government grant. So we needed this capital anyway because otherwise the group would have um, sort of fallen apart. Uh, right. But yeah, some of us, me and two other guys, we actually continued in our day jobs for for until mid-2011. But yeah, I mean, as we sent out the, the version of our product or access to the product to the first people, they were literally our contacts from previous uh, work in business for us with uh Ormus mm-hmm. and me and uh, for the other guys also the people they knew in businesses or startups that were potentially dealing with uh selling the service or product and mm-hmm. um I guess that right. was about five hundred around that uh number okay. of contacts that we sent it to and our goal at first was really really to to see whether this approach that we had, which was quite com- you know uncompromised version of just putting the sales pipeline in front of everything and everything else as a CRM tool somewhere in the background. And that's what we did for about six, seven months until 2011 March, when we decided that the timing is right to release the product for the public as we had gathered some feedback and fixed something and changed something and all this stuff. And then the product started to be mm. available online at a price point with a 30-day trial and then paid plans basically. Right. We didn't have a very good idea of how this business could sort of scale because we hadn't tried it exactly like that before. My background was heavily in mm-hmm. enterprise sales and I knew how to go into big companies and talk to people high up in the hierarchy and, you know, ask for their needs and understand, you know, how solutions could help them. So that that sort of world was all new and our decision was quite clear for whatever reason. I don't know, but uh, we knew that we wanted to build this into a global business. And uh, as soon as somebody said, "Well, let's try to, you know, maybe sell directly to somebody," somebody would ask, "How do you sell this service to somebody in Peru? How do you sell this service to somebody in Australia? How do you?" Sell? So it's almost like it's impossible. So we have to figure out ways how this could land in their computers uh, while the search or be so good that the word goes around and and, uh, maybe, you know, one startup founder to another and and that's how it goes. And that was the early strategy really to make sure that it's available. It's something that people talk about in the startup community. And then we started different approaches to to make that happen.
1: Mm -hmm. And so how did you acquire your your very first couple of paying customers? Was it just people converting from free to paid who had already been on the trial?
2: Yeah, I would say out of the 500 probably 30 maybe 40 but I'd say 30 customers, not even customers but uh better users who had um enough usage that we were th- hoping that some of them w- would convert. And out of them, I think about 10 converted, which was uh for us a really good encouragement. We you know, we looked roughly about 20% of them um of the actual users, not the 500 obviously. And um and they become our first customers.
1: So at the back of your mind, I mean, your product starts, can't remember your, your price point, but it's like, you know, mid $20 a month or a bit less. So you, you're thinking at the back of your mind, how many of these things do I need to sell in order to make a decent cash flow for six people or however many we're in your team? <laughs> Did that cross your mind at that time? <laughs> of
2: course. <laughs> of course. I mean, we really love the idea of, of building something that um, we could sell while we sleep, you know. Like like there's something which is available. Mm. People can sign up their own, on their own. People can use it on their own. We would make sure the product is really good. It's up and running, and it's customizable, and the support, all that. So we really loved the idea, but we also had to deal with um, <laughs> with the fact that revenue is coming in very slowly and in very small, you know, increments. Right. So I remember that we had a discussion. Again, we continued with these sort of hackathons for, for some time after the product was already out as well, before we were full-time, okay. all of us. And I remember going back from one of them back home in a, in a car with another co-founder, and, and we were asking, like, what's the sign that it can be actually a, like a real business? Because obviously we had some, like, mm. I don't know what, 20 or 30-odd customers. And I remember telling him that, you know, back maybe back of the napkin, napkin type of exercises in my head, you know, about the MRR and the compounding of it. I was thinking you know, for me, a mm. sign that it can actually be a business is when we can get to 500 or more b- customers and uh, total. And that sort of drove me. And at that time, we had probably like 20 or 30. Right. So quite a lot of, quite a big gap. But obviously, we knew that yeah. at these price points, we have a chance to be, you know, there's an exposure and, and there's a chance that this self serve, very low touch model of business could actually, you know, maybe work. But could we actually take it off the ground? That was the question.
1: And how did you do that? How do you then transpose yourselves from 20 to the 500 and then to 1,000? Do you remember what the strategy was and the approach at the time?
2: I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, what we witnessed was that for the four or five months, we were able to continue and repeat what we had done, which was about 10 to 15 new customers every month. But it was linear. Mm. And however you wanted to calculate this, this 500 seemed to be so far away. And we knew that we would run out of our resources, probably patience, everything, right? So we started asking what should we do and how could we learn, but also how we we could fund our business. And uh, the nice thing that sort of combined both of these things were incubators or accelerators, however you call Mm them. Uh, There were some in Europe. There were more in the US and we were so attracted to the model that US incubators and accelerators had, which was a program of some two or three months of mentorship in premise and then also a chance to get some funding along with it. In Europe, Mm -hmm. most of them Mm -hmm. were just about investments, not about the program. So we thought that maybe there's something that we can learn from these incubator guys. They seem to be marketing really well. They say that they can help you know, get your startup off the ground. So we started approaching these, and most of the early five or six months work that we did was about us trying to apply for these incubators and then writing in a blog right. about our attempts and failures. And I think that also helped a little bit with our, you know, finding our customers in this early adopter segment. And then um, mm-hmm. we were lucky after about five or six months to get into one of the incubators in San Francisco, which was called AngelPad. It still exists today, but the main headquarters Mm -hmm. is in New York. And that was really the moment where we thought that that would be our chance. First of all, it brought um, some initial funding. And we thought that that could be the the period of time for us where we could take our customer base from 80-something to closer to to the number that at least I had in my head. And we had some kind of mad Mm -hmm. plan idea that by the end of 2011, we would be at about 600 customers or so while we were still at 80 in the beginning of August, while the incubator started at the end of August. So we went in very determined. Mm. I think incubators are, again, like personal experiences are different, but for us, the best thing that happened was uh, that there was a very disciplined week-after-week question that we had to answer in the incubator program, which was, what can we do this week to make a difference in how the customers are finding us and signing up and anything that we could touch, which was under our control, we tried, mm. starting from the simple things as maybe something that we can optimize in our website. Maybe the messages are too long. Maybe it's not really speaking to the people that we have. And and at the same time, continuing with our efforts as we had already developed by that time around sort of inbound marketing and content marketing, writing in our blogs and all that. Mm. And then also, while we realized that some changes were happening, but they weren't big enough, you start to also consider some of the crazier ideas and one of the crazier ideas was that we should try to do a deal which at that time Appsoma was a business mm-hmm. which was doing the Groupon kind of deals in US but B2B not B2C and uh, we liked that we knew that that's probably going to create a lot of noise but at the same time uh, would give us maybe more exposure and we did the deal with AppSumo and the result of that was that we got heavily discounted customers from that mm-hmm. campaign but the beautiful part of about it was that there was like 220 of them in bulk and we added that to our close to 100 customers and that was already felt like oh <laughs> it's 350 it's yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a big jump we knew that they were not going to probably convert at at a level that um they would probably churn out as the yeah. discounts uh, sort of wear off but at least You know, we got to jump forward, and more exposure, more people started talking about it as well because you know campaigns and all these sort of things happen. And continued effort, we actually got to the number that we had thought that that's the mad plan in March to get Mm. to six hundred.
1: Very, very interesting. And there's always something to be said about setting a goal, and you know, if you hit it, that's great. If you miss it, at least you. You be coming closer to it rather than not setting a goal. So, so I guess that's that's good encouragement for for our listeners. I want to just pause a little bit because I know we're sort of sort of running out of time here. But give us a bit of a scale of where you're at today. I know I, I announced at the top of the show that you know you've got sixty thousand customers, probably more than that. What is your reach? What's the scale of the business in terms of revenue or customer size? Just so we get a, an understanding of where you've come to now, sort of seven eight years later.
2: It's a business where we still serve small and very small customers around the world uh, as a result of our early push and, and also the product decision to put salesperson first in our decisions about building the product. And when we have roughly, when I say small, I'd say that roughly about you know four or five people in a team for our average customer. And that tells you about this sort of like a, a story that we have. So we're not serving the large enterprises of the world, but mm. instead the, the smaller end of the SMB while while having also SMB customers in in hundreds of users where we actually also want to move towards, which is helping the sales managers. That's always always been the original plan.
1: Right. And what about your revenue numbers? I know you've shared previously you were about just eight, hit eight figures. You said you've doubled and doubled and doubled. So is that still the case at the moment?
2: Yeah, I can't remember when we disclosed what, but normally we we haven't talked about revenue numbers that much, But but really the customer number, which you also mentioned in the beginning. And if you, if you do the math based on the price points, you probably can get to some kind of a ballpark.
1: Fair enough. Um, what about any inflection point? So you've moved from 600 to 60,000. I don't even know what the multiple is there. Probably 100 multiple was there a big point where you said, "Well, that's what did it"? Was it like a partnership with a Google, or a partnership with another sort of AppSumo thing, or what, has it just been a compounding effect, as you had envisaged in your car conversation with your co-founder from one of those hackathon weekends?
2: Yeah, it's it's never been a moment where we could say that. Oh my God, this is this is the moment where it jumped like crazy. It's been sort of like grinding a bit like an uphill battle all the time. Most mm-hmm. of the time when we finish the periods, years or months or quarters, we feel like a bit of failure because we don't quite hit the goals. At mm-hmm. the same time, because the goals are quite high, then we're able to still generate you know, good enough results. So it's literally trying to understand what are the next things that we could open or do or do differently. And uh, it's, it's been much more the compounding effect
0: of all the work.
1: Great, no, I love that. Hey, I know I've held you up. Uh, we've got five more minutes to go. So really appreciating this interview. So I want to I switch a little bit and ask you, you know, what books, two books that you can recommend that you have read that have been very inspirational for you as an entrepreneur that somebody listening can tap into and, and read?
2: For the last years, actually, I've been much less doing the reading, even though I'm going to you know sh- share a few books, but much less doing the reading and much more doing something which would be maybe called as mentorship and trying to understand and listening to um, sort of podcasts or type of podcasts, let's put it that way. But mm. the type of books that I would say uh, have changed me or my thinking very deeply and have helped uh, at different points around the career. One is very simple, actually. It's called Common Denominator of Success. It's it's a booklet. It's not even a book. It's, it's a transcript of a speech given more than 100 years ago. That is something which has helped me during the times of sales, during the times of entrepreneurship, management. It's all about how you create your habits or how your habits create you. And I really love that. So that's one. Then there are books which uh, are more closer to sort of like the business world, one being Extreme Ownership, which tells about how the life in military is lived and, and, and what are some of the lessons there that actually make up for high-performing teams and, and organizations very good one there and then crucial conversations I'd add as well which is much more about how do you have these talks when things are not easy and you uh, need mm. to deliver messages which are not maybe the easiest and you can actually screw up but it has really good points about how, how not to
1: so yeah crucial conversations. so how big is actually your, your team at the moment at Drive?
2: our team is uh, slightly more than 300 people all in four
1: offices five offices five offices so that's that's a fairly big-sized team so you get a lot lots of hiring and transitions taking place all the time so that's a, those are great reads for anybody um starting out and anybody who's even scaling up especially that last one i guess um even the extreme ownership i think that that's really good i don't think any of those have been shared here before on on the podcast which is great so we're we're adding those up to our resource list um so that's thank you for sharing that and uh, timo what is the best way for people to connect with you?
2: I don't want to get the expectations too high because <laughs> the most honest answer would be the best way to connect with me is to work in Pipetribe and text me
1: <laughs>
2: but uh, or use the instant messenger because most of my attention actually goes in- into the company that, that, that any organization that we work in and I have some mm-hmm. very limited time outside. I don't have a social network habit, quite honestly, and the only thing that, that I have in it's it's in LinkedIn. But even there, I'm I'm terrible. I think to respond, but that at least can sometimes happen, uh, especially when somebody is really bugging. <laughs> I think, um, but that's an answer.
1: So. Very good. So if you want to reach Timo, you've got to bug him and bug him on LinkedIn, and he will eventually answer you. Or grab PipeDrive. Actually, what is it? What are the price points for PipeDrive as it stands today in US dollars? Just for people who want to just get a bit of a sense for that.
2: Currently, it's three plans at fifteen, twenty-nine, and and seventy something dollars. But uh, mm-hmm. we also are adjusting this as as we go forward.
1: So, come next year, there will be a few changes. Got it. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. Hey before I ask my last question I want to thank you and you've just you just nailed the point there saying you, you know you're very focused on the business you're very focused on growing the business you've got lots of investment in the business, you've got your own investment and your own goals and aspirations. so your time is precious it's a, it's a rare commodity. so I appreciate the hour that you've devoted to you know coming onto this show and to sharing your wisdom and part of your story with us and walking us through how things have evolved. I'm very sure that somebody has been inspired. And I'm sure you'll be hearing from a bunch of our listeners as well along the way. But my last question, when all is said and done, do you think about legacy? And if you do, what sort of legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why?
2: So, yeah, so I thought about it a bit. uh, And then this is what I feel I need to do when it comes to business side of my life. This is how I look at it. It's to give people confidence that there is a way to get to great results which are almost guaranteed. And if I elaborate a little on this, to get great results in a way that they're almost guaranteed, you really have to want something great, obviously. You have to have really strong internal reasons and willingness not only to to take on, but also plan a path of failures and successes and more failures than successes. And for me, that's the way you can get where you want to be. I mean, it wouldn't have to be that tough, but, uh, but since we really can't control most things in life, I think you've got to factor in abnormally high amount of losses and i do think that if you're ready for that sort of a path ahead then i think you're also ready to have your mental toughness tested by what every single day can bring so in one sentence it's give people confidence while they're failing more than they're succeeding and as as currently we're building pipe drive it's it's literally a tool for people in sales to do just that
1: That's amazing. So helping people gain confidence that they can achieve great results that are almost guaranteed. And I believe that is by taking the right actions, monitoring them, staying accountable, which is what your system helps our sales professionals out there do and help grow businesses. So appreciate that honest feedback. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me and Mr. Tim Reyn from Pipedrive. You can reach out and see what they're doing at pipedrive.com. If you enjoyed that episode, do leave us a review on iTunes. We will love to hear from you. Timo, thank you so much for being on the Business General's podcast today and for sharing your story with us. Absolutely grateful you are a true Business General.
2: Thank you, Davis, for having me once again. It's been a pleasure and I wish everybody listening uh, good success with their endeavors. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Business General's podcast. Connect with us at businessgenerals.com. And grab the full show notes and access a ton of free resources. Subscribe to the Business Generals podcast so that you do not miss an episode. And help us reach more people by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. We look forward to your company on our next episode. Until then, remember that you are a true Business General. The Business Generals Podcast, helping you maximize your startup business ideas, take control of your personal finances, and get the most out of your professional career.